Greetings and welcome to Daemonosophy. Today again I'm going to continue with a reading from my forthcoming new book, The Nebu Generator, a pharaonic formula for wealth creation, due out this coming April 30th. This is Chapter 2, The Material Question. We built this model with tangible concepts like engines and generators to give you something to grasp and hold on to as you attempt to steer free from the idea of capital accumulation. Capital accumulation holds that the way to wealth lies merely in collecting units of capital, dollars, euros, etc., getting dollars and hiding them away. Wealth generation is not a matter of collecting, seizing, or acquiring. Rather, it is a matter of growing, developing, and nurturing. Wealth generation is an organic process of becoming that occurs over time. Your wealth should be thought of as an outgrowth or manifestation of yourself and your personal energy stream. Thus, it is also a reflection of your inner state, your values, and your moral compass. Therefore, to go any further with this exploration, it is important to confront the material question and to be comfortable with it. Gurdjieff invoked the material question in Chapter 11 of his book, Meetings with Remarkable Men. What often happens in groups focused on the idea of spiritual evolution is that practical material questions, like how we pay the rent, will tend to be overlooked this can lead to problems which only grow the more they are ignored. This is really the same sort of problem referred to with market bubbles. A fundamental material concern is collectively overlooked until it grows to a point where it can only pop, explode forth violently. We can avoid this by addressing the material question openly, directly, and sooner rather than later. One reason people will avoid the material question is another flaw in the idea of capital accumulation, which holds that wealth is gained only by aggressive seizure. That one person can gain wealth only at the expense of others, which leads to the presumption that anyone with wealth can only have gained it through unethical or even criminal actions. Therefore, in an effort to avoid the seeming unpleasantness of inequity, people simply avoid the question altogether. However, in actuality, there is no reason why everyone cannot become wise and successful. Certainly not all will achieve exactly the same quantitative level, but all can move upward, following the ascending current of growth and evolution. <clears throat> Success is not so much a metric as it is a pattern. By emulating the right patterns, we can start moving in a certain direction, and if we do so long enough and connect it with others who are trying to move in the same direction, we can gather momentum. With the right attitude, everyone can move together. In this system, success does not occur only at the expense of others. Rather, it is a decision that everyone is able to make, a decision in favor of personal responsibility.
If you are already confident that the best way to produce wealth is by taking resources and funneling them through a centralized authority for spending and redistribution, you might consider putting this book down now, as it will likely only frustrate you. But if you're ready to take responsibility for your own wealth and well-being, this book is for you. There is in reality no limit to wisdom and success in the world, and the more wise and successful people there are, the better a world it will be to live in. Right now, civilization appears to be gathering momentum in the opposite direction. All the more reason for you to take action now. In our efforts to illuminate the material question, we will touch on certain economic theories. For some folks, this is a hot-button issue. Out there in the world of horrors, there are a lot of ideas about economics. Not all of them are correct, genuine, or truthful. In fact, many of them are simply lies and political propaganda. We live in a world that likes to deny the existence of the objective universe, that likes to think that whatever you want to believe is okay simply because you want to believe it. Unfortunately, belief alone does not make anything objectively true. Legitimate economics is a discipline based on objective fact, and it also influences what you believe is possible or appropriate in terms of your own personal achievement. Throughout this work, I will attempt to steer you in the direction of the truth and encourage you to avoid delusion. Yet in the end, it can only be you that makes a decision in favor of the truth you perceive. Personal finance and economics may be different disciplines, yet they can and should be connected. The key difference is that one is a map for understanding the outer world, and the other a plan for perfecting the inner world based on the truth of the outer world. Therefore, any personal finance system will be effective only insofar as it is based on an accurate economic model. This book is based on the premise that these inner and outer worlds are in fact connected. And so if your map of the outer world is off, the decisions you make in your inner world will be correspondingly inaccurate. For instance, if you were taught to believe being in debt is the natural state of man, or that it is necessary and good for the nation to be in debt, this may reinforce to you that it is good for you to personally be in debt and you may continue that path thinking it will eventually lead somewhere. Therefore, an important part of this work will be confronting some common economic fallacies. And I will talk about magic in this book. My belief in magic was with me throughout this process. If it was sorcery and my blindness to the objective universe that led me down into the abyss, it was my realization of higher magic that led me out. It is that original form of magic which teaches that you must first order your own universe, do some psychic house cleaning before you can see the order in the universe around you. Setians call this greater black magic. And while we're on it, I'll warn you now that a lot of my influences derive from the Setian school of thought. I won't spend too much time giving background on this, and I refer the curious to one of the many great Setian texts out there, 
such as Michael Aquino's Temple of Set or Don Webb's Uncle Setnock's Essential Guide to the Left-Hand Path. This is not a book on Setianism per se, but the ideas in this book arose in harmony with the Setian perspective, and knowing a little bit about that might help you in this pursuit. I will talk about materialism in this book, but not the kind of materialism you are probably familiar with. My brand of materialism is more in line with Aristotle's, where individual instances in the real world manifest and validate any abstract principles or forms. This is also in line with the sort of materialism referred to by G.I. Gurdjieff, who once said, Everything in the world is material, and, in accordance with universal law, everything is in motion and is constantly being transformed. The direction of this transformation is from the finest matter to the coarsest and vice versa. Between these two limits, there are many degrees of density of matter. Moreover, this transformation of matter does not proceed evenly or consecutively. When he says from finest to coarsest and vice versa, he's referring to octaves. The theory of octaves in nature teach that every process is either moving up or down, ascending to the finest toward more freedom or descending to the coarsest, toward less freedom. Wealth is an upward movement toward more freedom. And in a very real sense, this is where wealth leads. It is true that money can't buy you love, but here's what it can buy you. Options, choice, and freedom. This book will demonstrate that the same laws can be activated in relation to your personal wealth. The techniques I'll be sharing here don't involve creating something out of nothing or creating money out of thin air. Rather, it means keying into the already occurring process of material transformation and getting it moving in the right direction. This is done largely with basic principles of magnetism. In the same way that the Earth keeps the moon in its orbit, you will learn to change your inner gravitational force to bring the right bodies and influences into your orbit. When Gurdjieff writes, it does not proceed evenly. This means that nature does not distribute resources evenly or in an equitable manner. It means that if you want to achieve wealth, you will need to take control of the situation yourself and begin moving the situation in that direction. It's not as hard as it sounds at first. There are only three basic principles you need to master. I will show you all of them, and they are all easy to remember. All the techniques I'm going to share with you have been validated by direct experience. I have lived through the tragedy and the triumph and lived to tell the tale. The ideas are derived from a variety of sources, refer to the bibliography for further detail, and applied to my own experience. I read more books on personal finance than I refer to because not all of them give good advice. Many of them are written by people who themselves are not financially successful, but only want to sell a book, so they invariably appeal to the ego of the reader. It is the same for all the occult books on money magic. They are mostly nonsense, and the only one who ever scored anything from it are the people who wrote them. Never accept advice from someone 
who you wouldn't want to trade places with. Or as George Samuel Clausen said in his classic work, The Richest Man in Babylon, Advice is the one thing that is freely given away, but watch that you take only what is worth having. He who takes advice about his savings from one who is inexperienced in such matters shall pay with his savings for proving the falsity of their opinions. I shall endeavor not to do the same here. I am including only the things that worked for me, along with my own experience of seeing the ideas coming together into a single coherent system, the wealth generation triad. I am writing about these things because they worked for me personally. I write this from the point of view of an American, and that my ideas and experiences are indelibly based on American culture and economics, which are themselves influenced by things like the Federal Reserve and other regulatory activities of the United States government. That means that if you live somewhere other than America, you may have very different conditions that you are dealing with, and so you will want to take my ideas in the right context. Not everything that is true of economics or personal finance in America will also be true in England, Denmark, Japan, or Australia. Because of that America-centric nature of this work, we will refer to specifically American economic factors to include their unique features and even consequences. We'll examine things like taxation, interest rates, and wage controls. Since things like interest rates in America are directly affected by the Federal Reserve, which is itself a tool of government, it is unavoidable that we will reference them. Also, since these elements can have direct impact on the ability of individuals to obtain and maintain personal wealth, we will also make value judgments on them to the extent that they inhibit an individual's ability to generate wealth and to live a sovereign life. It should be kept in mind that the aim of this work is not to suggest a pathway for social change or creating utopia, but rather to suggest a pathway for personal success and material, individual sovereignty. There is an important lesson in this for you. In order to obtain wealth, you will need to be able to make value judgments about things. You'll need to be able to identify if a certain influence in your life is valuable or parasitic. If you identify something as being parasitic, you will need to have the strength to cut it out or at least work around it. A lot of your ability or inability to generate wealth is based on behaviors and habits. You'll need to be able to identify bad habits and replace them with good habits. A lot of this work is initiatory and tied in with the idea of dynamic personal evolution. Many aspects of wealth generation are connected with aeonic words like the Lima, Indulgence, Kefir, Romanifest, and Runa. I refer to the initiatory aspects throughout the work, and my knowledge here comes from a variety of sources, which I will attempt to catalog in the bibliography. But I will also quote from a lot of people outside of this sphere, and it is worth noting that a lot of occult celebrities were notoriously unsuccessful in terms of standard of living. Crowley, A.O. Spare, and many others, for all their reputed magical prowess, actually perished in relative poverty 
Why? Was it because their magic was fraudulent? Or perhaps they were blind to certain aspects of their work? Perhaps they had some buffers that blinded them to the material question. Buffers are blind spots that prevent us from seeing parts of ourselves that are difficult to confront. This work involves a lot of internal self-reflection as well as the identification and confrontation of buffers. A lot of people have worked with buffers at some point in life, but for most, approaching the material question leads to seeing totally new buffers and learning how, in a very real way, they can lead away from wealth. Buffers are elements of the psyche which prevent one manifestation of the self from seeing another manifestation of the self. In other words, buffers prevent us from seeing contradictions in our thinking. For instance, you may have one personality that desires wealth, but another personality that believes you don't really deserve wealth, or that you can get your lunch for free by using tricks. With a buffer in place hiding such a contradiction, your being is literally pulled in two different directions at once without you ever being consciously aware of it. Buffers do have a positive function in that they keep us from going mad or having a total psychological breakdown. If we could see all at once the glaring contradictions that we entertain in our life, we would surely go mad. As H.P. Lovecraft wrote in The Call of Cthulhu, The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all of its contents. So buffers have a function in allowing us some peace of mind, but often it is at the expense of success since they prevent us from acting with a single and unified will. Each personality has its own will with its own unique aim. With multiple buffers, this means multiple wills yearning for multiple pleasures vying for control over a single person, that being you. So one of the first things you should understand about work toward the material question is that it means working towards a life with one singular will. It is the same work of initiation with the Lima. It is about having the whole of your being moving in harmony under one will toward a life of success and wealth. Many people begin their initiation with an idea that the initiatory life is somehow separate from your life in the workaday world. And for many, a huge buffer takes root here. For most, this is the first buffer that must be addressed in approaching the material question. You must understand that your work life is not separate from your capital W work life. Of course, they both present different conditions and opportunities, but ultimately, will must unite them in harmony so that they can feed each other, so they can complement each other. The ancient Egyptians had a myth where Set, the god of consciousness and clarity, rides with Ra on his sunbark across the sky every day. At the end of each day, Set slays a pep, the serpent of delusion and lies. There's a lot in this story, and I will refer to it frequently throughout this book. Set does this so the sun can rise again in its power and glory, because if he did nothing, ignored the material question, chaos would consume the sun, and there would be no tomorrow. This work that I am committing to here begins largely 
as the work of slaying a pep and dispelling delusion. One of the main things that prevents people from being wealthy is all the lies and delusions they have accepted into their being. And a lot of this work is dedicated to shining a light on those lies. You must understand that ideas are real and that they have a substantial, even material quality. And if you have a pathological idea ingrained in your psyche, it is like a poison that will gradually seep into the whole of your being. False ideologies will prevent you from achieving wealth despite your greatest efforts. So when you identify these buffers, lies and delusions in yourself, imagine you are like set slaying a pep, cutting them out like cancers with your Peshkent knife. One of the biggest places people have buffers is around the area of credit and indebtedness. One reason is because of our natural wish that things be easier to obtain. The desire for more leisure time is a natural human inclination. Ludwig von Mises observed, Experience teaches that there is a disutility of labor, but it does not teach it directly. There is no phenomenon that introduces itself as disutility of labor. There are only data of experience which are interpreted on the ground of a prioristic knowledge to mean that men consider leisure, in other words, the absence of labor, other things being equal, as a more desirable condition than the expenditure of labor. This disutility of labor presents a window of opportunity for aggressive forces to exploit by presenting what looks like an opportunity to get something for nothing. Another is that there are whole industries devoted to leading us down the road of indebtedness since it benefits them, not you. The truth is you will never be able to generate wealth as long as you have significant debt, thus eliminating debt, bad debt in particular, is fully one of the three engines of the wealth-generating triad. The truth behind all of this is that the natural state and cycle of a human being is to grow and evolve into wealth as part of the natural course. We were designed by our Creator to be independent, free, and happy. The force of lies and delusions threatens to rob us of that freedom and independence. If you continue living under the forces of delusion, you won't even be able to generate wealth for yourself or others. This work is really just about cutting out all of the cancers and dispelling all the delusions so you can become what you were destined to become, a happy and independently wealthy individual who is able to make the world around him a better place for himself and for others.